Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the B-Roll Podcast. We are the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Chris. And my name's Anthony. Hey, Anthony, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Same. It's been... Man, summer is real harsh this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how, how hot did you say it was? 104 104, right now? yeah. I wonder how many people just get annoyed at how hot it is, or at least annoyed at how much like we talk about the heat. Uh, how much we talk about it? Probably I, a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people complain about weather, wherever they live or whatnot, but... Sure. I think it was maybe like eight years ago when we had 100 days of 100 degree weather. If you've never experienced that, you just, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I do not like it. I really don't. I don't know why I still live where I live, but whatever. No, because your mom's here. No. Uh, I mean, that's not stopping me. <laughs> well, I guess not. Yeah. So you said this was a bonus episode. This is a bonus episode. This is your idea. I don't know why this I'm talking about idea. it. This was my idea. But so for Star Trek Lower Decks, we decided that we would actually watch the second episode and then the third and fourth and fifth, or I don't, what is it, like eight episodes or something like that? Ten episodes? Ten. Ten episodes. So we would watch them all and then just kind of just kind of give a brief opinion, overview piece, maybe yeah, not a full talk about it. plot breakdown. You know, that that's our mainline episode. We would do something a little different. And uh, I didn't take any notes. Yeah. So. <laughs> I... I... <laughs> We talked about doing this and was like, yeah, don't take any notes. We're not going to do a plot breakdown. I expected you to still take full notes. <laughs> like I was like, ah, he's going to do it. Nerd. Uh, no, no, I had a, I had a weird day. <laughs> I had a, yeah. I went into the office for a little bit today and I like took lunch and I got home and I just felt really blah. I sat on the couch and watched the episode one and two. I watched episode one again. Oh, okay. Okay. And then I watched episode two. Yeah. Different. Uh, <laughs> second episode feels a little bit different. A little. Similar, but different. Sure. Let's see. Our second episode was Envoys, season one, episode two. I guess we could still blurb. Yeah, we could still blurb. I gotta say, I don't like CBS's, I don't like CBS All Access's format because I can't, like, I can't just click on an episode. (laughs) Like, when I, when I click on the show, like, it immediately just opens up the episode that I was watching. Yeah, it's a little bit of a weird app. After a high profile mission goes awry... Boimler is further plagued with self-doubt when Mariner proves herself to be a more naturally talented sci-fi badass than he. Rutherford quits his job in engineering and explores other departments on the USS Cerritos. Yeah. So once again, going with two plot lines. Yeah. We talked about in episode one, classic mm-hmm. A, classic B. Which one do you think is the A story and which one's the B story in this episode? I, well, the A story is definitely them being on the planet. Yeah, I guess there's a lot more going on there. Yeah. It does take up a little bit more screen time. Yeah. Amazingly, is it an episode in which um, the ship isn't in danger? Yeah, I actually have that written down as a... <laughs> I made a pro and cons list so mm. that I wouldn't forget anything. Okay. I counted that as a big pro. Well... It kind of goes hand in hand with some of my other stuff. But yeah, no, go ahead. Since we're doing something different, I figured what we might do is a, a reference counter. And I didn't do it for this episode, but I... I recognized several references throughout the episode, but apparently you sent me a oh, yeah. list of canon so references. So I wrote down a bunch oh, okay. of references. Again, my pro and cons list, I wrote down the ones I liked. There's probably a lot more of them. Okay. But then I did find a list that <laughs> that was aggregated of all of the references from this episode. All right. Well, how about this? 
And I will I will do this in the next episode. I know my favorite one, and I'm sure it's your favorite as well if you caught it. So let's let's do a real, really, really quick and brisk plot breakdown. Ensign Boimler has been chosen to lead a mission where he is going to be taking a Klingon envoy to a planet, to Longa, I think is what it was called. Something like that. That's the A story. The B story is that Tindy and Rutherford were going to watch some kind of pulsar, but he doesn't have time, so he's going to quit his job and try other departments on the ship. Long story short, things go wrong on the surface. Boimler questions his role in Starfleet and ultimately, quote-unquote, saves the day. They drop off the Klingon ambassador, get back to the ship, and then Rutherford tries every other department on the ship, well, major divisions, and then ultimately decides that he needs to stay in engineering and that he and Tindy share a funny moment in a Jeffrey's tube. Yeah. The only thing you missed there is our other, our fourth main character, Mariner, similar oh. to the first episode, gives, she kind of takes over Boimler's mission, which she was really excited about because she knows this Klingon from previous things they've done together. So she's kind of approaching everything. It's really her fault they're in the situation to begin with, but then she's able to, I guess it's like a street smarts versus book smarts scenario where she's just knows what to do and she's getting it. She's saving Boimler from this or Boimler from that, moving them forward until he supposedly wins in the in the end or figures out something in the end. And I don't know, even thing. know why they hang out because all this person, all Beckett does is just ruin Brad's life, right? You know Maybe. what I mean? Like, had he never, a little. had he never mentioned the assignment, the Klingon, uh, his name is Corinne, would have gotten on the shuttle. They would have landed at the embassy. They would have uh, landed near the embassy, and then he would have taken off and left. Maybe. Sure. I have a feeling that she would have found out about that already, or already knew about it and was trying to get in on it. Sure. I think that she likes him. Not, sorry, not romantically or anything like that. But also you talk about them, why are they friends? They're coworkers. And sometimes that defines who your friends are, especially <laughs> when you're, well, especially when you're on a ship. Right. You're millions c- of miles away from, millions of light years away from wherever. Millions of light years? I think that's... Hundreds? Thousands? I don't know. Plenty. <laughs> Plenty of light years. Just all light years. They're work colleagues. Um, work I, proximity well I, I think like yeah. I think colleague is probably the better word because it it right. infers a, a certain amount of rapport whereas if you just say oh it's my coworker, that's just that could be someone who also works in the same building or on the same ship as you but you don't hang out with them sure that makes yeah. sense yeah it makes sense I why, think that's why it makes sense why Jordy and Data are colleagues you know it doesn't make sense why Deanna Troy and Miles O'Brien are colleagues they don't do yeah. anything except one of those people out. is infinitely more enjoyable and just a better person than the other <laughs> have you ever seen the comic miles o'brien at work you know what i'm talking about no i don't think so that sounds familiar but i want to say no you should google that when you have a chance but it's, it's usually just like one or it's like i think like two to four panels of miles o'brien in the transporter room because it's the whole joke about you know you're the transporter chief like do you just hang out in the room and then just wait for people to tell you that they need to transport something. Wouldn't he be a he? He would be part of the engineering. Yeah, I guess though. So. I don't know. I mean, but that's his because you could. Jordy's got to deal with the warp core, so he has this other guy who reports to him, who's in charge of all the transporters. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, but I think O'Brien is literally all he does is he's just the transporter chief for transporter room three. You think he's the chief, but not just Transporter Room 3. I don't know. There's a scene in the first episode of Deep Space Nine where Captain Picard beams 
O'Brien onto DS9. Like he's leaving Enterprise for the last time. Yeah. And Picard catches him in, in Transporter Room 3 and goes, oh, this was your favorite room, wasn't it? Favorite Transporter Room. So I think that's, I don't, I think he was the chief over several things, but it's hard because I don't know where enlisted fit <laughs> in the TNG era of Star Trek. Yeah. Like everyone's an ensign at least. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I think he's got a couple. Or maybe it does. He's got a couple I pips, I think. Let me. No, he's a, well, chief. He's literally chief warrant officer or chief petty officer. Excuse me. Yeah, but like on his uniform, he's got... In the encounter at Farpoint... His two golden pips. He wasn't even named then. Right. I'm looking at later seasons and he still has two solid golden pips. I don't know why we're talking about Miles O'Brien. <laughs> Lower deck. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just they didn't know what to do with this character at first, but he's technically, technically a... He's a senior chief petty officer at the end yeah. of the career... So he's enlisted. He's the only main character we get that I'm aware of in all of Star Trek that is enlisted. Right. Well, it's just it's just funny that he has he's got solid pips. That's a continuity error. We got a continuity error. Now that we've wasted five minutes on Miles, didn't we say we were going to be like different for the bonus episode? So hey, man, uh, let's just let's just get out there. How did you feel about this episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What's up? I liked it. I didn't laugh a whole lot. I'm just full of making excuses for not laughing at this show. I think it just might have been because I was in a blah mood, but there were lots of funny moments. Yeah. Particularly the scene in which Mariner and Boimler encounter a Ferengi. Ferengi. uh, Encounter a Ferengi. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to start calling him Boims. I think she calls him Boims at one point in this episode, and that's so much easier to pronounce. It is clearly obvious that Mariner knows that this guy is is a Ferengi and she's playing it off. And then he, <laughs> the Ferengi is like, give me your profit. And he pulls a knife out. <laughs> I, I actually wrote that down. I quoted yeah. that. Give me your profit. Yeah, I laughed. That's, <laughs> I think it's like one of the four or five times that I laughed. But I, I, I thought a lot of stuff well, was funny. I think funny. that's fine. That's the thing is like, I, I don't need, a, it doesn't need to be a, you know, a million laughs a minute Side or whatever. Sometimes the situation is yeah. uh, what is giving you the comedy, that type of thing. Yeah. I think I did laugh at that. <laughs> I think what made me laugh the most. And I didn't even realize it. I rewound it because I was like, wait a minute. Did I miss this? When Rutherford is checking out the other divisions, he's talking to each of them. He ends up with the chief security officer. Yeah. And take him on the holodeck. All the other divisions have been running simulations for the most part, um, or at least commanded. And he, he says, run... What did he call yeah. smorgasbord? <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of Borg pop up and he has to fight them. But I was just, oh, smorgasbord. Well, oh, that's fantastic. So I, th- I love the pun. I love the pun. In the name of the prophets. Uh. So I think that that might be a that might be a really, really, really high level joke. Because a smorgasbord. What the pun? Yeah, a smorgasbord is a type of Scandinavian meal originating right. in Sweden. But in first contact, when uh, when Johnny Johnny Luke meets, I forget her name, the character that gets beamed aboard because of radiation or something. I don't remember her name, but I know who you're talking about. Doctor Cochran's assistant. Yeah, he, he says something about the Borg, and she says sounds Swedish. Yeah. So when that happened, like I kind of cocked my head, and I was like, "Is that a, a super high level pun that that also references?" 
a throwaway line from a movie from 20 years ago? I don't know. Maybe. I think it's just a pun, but maybe. I got to hit oh, up. Oh, man. I got to hit up Mikey Max on that one and see if that's a... <laughs> see what's up. To see if he was uh, going for that. Oh, that's good, though. This is So you laughed at that, or you thought it was humorous, at least. You said you laughed four or five times, which in 25 minutes, that's good. Like, I don't need <laughs> more than that. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I also... I thought that this episode was more star trek if that makes sense okay there weren't as many ridiculous things happening like with the giant spider in the first episode and the zombie rage virus even though those things would absolutely happen in a normal star trek episode they were portrayed differently also liked that it had a slower pace the first episode was all over the place i think it just it was trying to introduce us to everything so quickly this is a few minutes shorter and feels like the pacing is a lot better at least in my opinion I don't think every episode, you mentioned that the ship's not in danger in this episode. I don't think every episode needs like a big kind of old school Star Trek A story going on. In fact, a lot of them shouldn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense for the whole concept. Like what is a big deal to the everyday life of the lower decks is very different than what we're used to seeing. I also found when they are getting ready to leave the ship when they're on the shuttle, Mariner says... She's mumbling stuff about being buried alive in the moons of Nibia. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping you'd catch that. Yeah, I was like, hmm. Yeah. She's having, I keep having this awesome dream. And I was like, <laughs> is she just dreaming of being con? Is that, that seems like something she would do. I also wondered, there's been a precedent, I guess would be the right word. So shuttles on the Enterprise D were named after rivers, like the Danube, uh, and I think the Rio Grande. Yeah. If you look no. at like yeah, if you look it up, like they were named after rivers. No, no, I'm saying the Rio Grande was the Deep Space Nine runabout. Uh, I'm googling it. This is a good part. I'm not even gonna edit this out. I'm just gonna leave it in. Fair enough. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Yes, I'm sorry. Sorry, I, I Deep Space Nine is the one that I've probably rewatched the most. So on the Enterprise Z, they were named after famous scientists slash explorers. Yes. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and you, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. On Deep Space Nine, they were named after rivers. And I'm wondering if this one's like, because they were on a shuttle called the Yosemite, which is a direct mm-hmm. callback to Yosemite National Park from Star Trek V. Obviously. Yeah. But I wonder if that means that the shuttles are going to be named after parks, forests, and that type of thing. Yeah. If they are, I hope that some of them are not from Earth. Okay. So something I really liked about this episode and really though i think i mentioned in the last episode about lower decks is i love that we're getting a lot more variety in i mean they walk around this planet they go through a klingon district they meet a bunch of andorians there's a bunch of other races walking around something you would never see in live action because it's just not feasible for especially if they had a 30 minutes time slot to put all these people in makeup and blah 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 or cgi the crap out of it so i really really like that i like the variety on the ship as well so that's something that i always thought was missing from star trek is why is this a huge federation with four founding member races? And now, like, I don't know how many races now, especially in the the TNG era, it's been around forever. But everyone's still human. Why are the humans making up the paramilitary force? That says a lot about us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's mostly because you just couldn't, like, or when they do, like, when they do Deep Space Nine, they're like, well, where are we going to be? Well, out of all the places we can be, Bajorans take the least amount of makeup. So we're going to do that. instead of anything else i like that well i think at the same time all of the ship sorry my point was that all the ship names like the runabout names that type of thing are all named after human 
things, but they're, I I don't know. I think it's partially explained in like, I I remember some interview or I don't remember where, and I, I do this a lot. I read or watch things and I just, I just remember certain aspects or yeah, some things stick with you, some don't. Yeah. But it was explained that the Federation has ships for other races. Like I think in TOS, there's an entire ship of Klingons. And I'm sorry, not Klingons. Well, there are entire ships of Klingons. <laughs> there are lots of ships of but Klingons. There's an actually, entire ship yeah. of Vulcans, and they all die, mm. which Spock mm. recognizes because Vulcans are, you know, they have latent telepathic or psionic abilities. Right, whatever, yeah. Well, there's a there's an all Klingon, not all Klingon. You got me saying it. There's an all Vulcan <laughs> ship in Deep Space Nine as well. Yeah, there's a there's an entire Beta yeah. Zed ship on uh, an episode of TNG. So I wonder if on those. But is that a Beta Zed? But is that a Beta Zed ship? Well, it's is a, that a Starfleet ship? Yeah, or just a Beta Zoid ship? It's a Starfleet ship that's, hmm. I guess, crewed entirely by other races. And I think maybe on those ships that they would have the shuttles named after things from their planet or their history. I guess. Not sure. Maybe. Right. I think the intermingle. I guess because you know I don't know. I always wanted it to be more more variety. And of course with the animation they're able to do that, so I like it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the names also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I and I mean I don't know enough about the demographics of Starfleet, but who knows? I think it's because as a race, humans are per, ugh, humans are portrayed and projected as natural explorers and now who's to say that vulcans aren't natural explorers i mean they're more logic based and science and stuff like that but since humanity tends to be more of an exploratory race you know not only on our planet but in the future in the fiction Mm -hmm. i think that's probably the reason why you see more ships crewed by humans or uh, ships crewed primarily by humans or the majority mm. of the people on those ships are humans. I don't I don't know enough about the I don't know. the canon. I mean, to explain it, any canon explanation of it is just to yeah. cover up for the fact that they can't afford to give everyone makeup. Right. No, like, I agree. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that we can get more and more. Yeah. There's a decent amount of variety in discovery. Hopefully we continue to get more and more variety. Okay. There was also like uh two Kobayashi Maru scenarios that just weren't called kobayashi maru scenarios oh yeah yeah, yeah the, the trend of starfleet throwing their people at unwinnable scenarios i don't believe Continues. in a no-win scenario <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean I, i've been talking about some things i like i mean do we want to this is a bonus episode we can do it in any order we want we just wanted to give our opinions about the about the show as we're going through because it's star trek and we're going to talk about it we might as well record it and share it right mm-hmm. yeah i liked this episode way more than the last one. There's not a big backdrop where they're looking at blowing up the warp core yeah. for I don't know how many times. It's all just people going about their things, doing their stuff. I mean, because even even Boims and Mariner on the planet, they could get in trouble, right? I think he makes a joke about how they might be breaking the Kitamura Accords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty good. But that general is going to end up at the embassy. He's an adult. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to get there. Yeah. So they're really just covering for themselves. The storyline with Rutherford, he's just figuring himself out. Well, the only I, thing I didn't... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think he's... I don't think it was him trying to figure himself out. I think it was him, like... Well, he was learning that he was already where he needed to be. Yeah. No, the I, two stories yeah. are tied together. I got you. And that they are all learning where their role is. Or, or getting comfortable with their role, what they like. That type of thing. It's not as heavy... 
was the first episode was kind of the well not the zombie virus bit of it but the bit with boimler and mariner on the planet there's a lesson in there about jumping to conclusions well is protocol versus actual you know like it well the whole episode episode one Boimler, by the end of the episode, his opinion of Mariner and his opinion of the captain have shifted. He made assumptions about who these people were, and they turned out to not be 100% accurate. That's the little bit of growth. And this one and the new one, to talk about something I hated, Mariner is a bit much at the beginning. Again, the whole bit with the stupid, the blast shield and her turning it on and off, and singing a song with it. I hated it. I didn't <laughs> like it. I mean, like her playing with it would have been fine because it is cool or whatever, but the song just kind of annoyed me. She gets better as she goes. Like when she's once they're actually in it, she's trying her hardest, right? She's not just goofing off. It was nice. I got you. I didn't like the very last scene with the Frangie. <laughs> like when they're talking on the pad or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're talking on the pad. No, the the, the first scene with the Frangie was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> with him, the fingers, the beady eyes. Oh, man, the Frangie, they did not know what they were doing when they introduced that, <laughs> that race. Well, honestly. there's all sorts of anti-Semitic oh, an, an, analogies that have already been, de- like, the, well, the, the Frangie have been dissected it. a thousand times before. We don't need yeah, to do that yeah, on yeah. this podcast, uh, yeah. I don't think that's not that's not for us. I, I think yeah. that anytime you get a race and you try to def- that's the problem with Star Trek and Star Wars and a lot of other science fiction, like especially the visual media, is that this race is warlike and blah blah blah. Like there's no depth to anybody but the humans, you yeah. know. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. If they are anti-Semitic caricatures, then so are Tolkien dwarves. <laughs> All right, moving on. Don't want to start that argument or that debate because I'm not prepared or qualified for that at all. I don't remember where I was, but she got, yeah, she got better. She goes, no, the very last scene with the Ferengi on the pad, I think it was already apparent that she had faked the little scenario with the Ferengi to get Boim's, you know, his self-worth, his confidence up. I didn't need that extra little bit, but I guess they, they wanted to have a closed story. I guess that it works and it allowed him to do that. little reference the Jamala or whatever, Jamala Ra, I don't know. Jamaharan. Jamaharan. Jamaharan again. Yeah. Which might well, it's be a joke that I don't. It get. also. Well, it's it's uh, Jamaharan is the um, ricin ritual of sexual pleasure. It just serves to point out that what they're trying to do, I guess, with Mariner is make her like I don't want to say an infallible character, but just make her the like because everyone else has flaws, you know. Mm-hmm. At least in this episode, uh, Rutherford is torn between his duty and his relationship with uh with Tindy. Right. Tindy, I don't think she had anything to do in this episode besides complain about other people's jobs. Like, No, I mean, she's there when he's in medical doing yeah. whatever, but yeah. And then Boimler, he's just going through, because we don't know anything about these characters yet, really. Like, I don't know if this is his first assignment. So he's, that's the reason why he's all by the book. Yeah. Super excited, trying to learn Klingon phrases and stuff. Like, this is going to get kind of slightly off topic, but do you ever yeah. read the comic Beetle Bailey? You know what I'm talking about? Like the, I've read, I remember it as a kid, maybe, yeah. So my uncle, my late uncle, Robert, loved Beetle Bailey. He was in the army, I think for like 10 or 15 years. I don't remember exactly how many, but he loved Beetle Bailey because it's about a guy in the army. And the guy who wrote Beetle Bailey designed some of the characters based off the people that he knew. He wrote about a lieutenant fresh out of boot, or fresh out of OCS, or is it OTS? What's the one where they, like, I don't know. Which, however you become a commissioned officer, whatever that yeah. protocol is or whatnot. And then he 
but it heads with a no-nonsense career-minded sergeant. And like that's like the sergeant in Beetle Bailey is based off that NCO. The guy who wrote Beetle Bailey was that wet-behind-the-ears lieutenant. Mm, okay. So the whole idea behind someone who's brand new to a post is all it's by the book everything is based on the regulations that you have the conflict between them and someone who's been in it who doesn't necessarily follow protocol because there's no need like the whole joke behind right her knowing this klingon emissary corin that's a direct reference to jadzia dax knowing or curzon dax knowing that one klingon guy where they right, were right. quote unquote blood blonde blood bonded because they experienced battle or something. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. But she says like he would have known there was something wrong if I had acted all stuffy around him. Like we're friends. Mm. Like you don't have to follow the mission protocols when there isn't a point to it. I mean, maybe she shouldn't have let him get drunk and pass out and then steal the show. No, she went a little too far with it. Yeah. But that's where the that's the whole balancing act right. comes from. So, yeah, they play off each other pretty well. I could see them both balancing out a, a good bit yeah. over the next. Hopefully they don't just, you know, stay flanderized. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? How did you feel about the uh, cold open? Uh, I don't remember the cold open. The multidimensional entity. That they oh, yes, yes. A... I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was it was funny in its execution. Right. The, the whole idea of like a because I think that happens in an episode. Where oh more I'm sure well it's yeah. it's specifically it happens when th- that stupid white orb gets Troy pregnant and she has a kid who grows up in Ugh. like less than a day or something uh God, I'll have you know that <laughs> so I might cut this oh me and my brother watching Star Trek Next Generation when we started watching all the way through when we were I don't know middle school or whatever and Tasha Yar dies right <laughs> Which, I don't know why I'm laughing but yeah sure yeah 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 because she whatever and so it was like oh characters can die in this show like this show is okay like no one's gonna stay around forever uh spoiler alert they all stay around forever more or less anytime it was a troy focused episode we were just like oh man this might be the one where they kill her (laughs) this might be the one she dies we hated her so much (laughs) so that episode where she like i'm I can't do it. Well, I she, I, so I think she's like going to resign her commission, right? Just to raise Something. this kid. And then he leaves. <laughs> what a bad episode. I liked her in the movies for sure. I just, I did not like her or her role. I guess the best part about her in TNG was that they had an excuse to bring her mother in. And those episodes Ugh. were great. Oh, shut up. I thought they were, they, they were fantastic. Walks out of Troy funny. is like the worst part of Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, I mean, if you ignore Deanna Troy, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Sorry, we got way off topic. Still talking about Star Trek. But, uh, yeah. Well, I guess so. That's not way off topic. Just a normal amount of off topic. Yeah, but this, like, interdimensional energy being that has the ability to create matter out of air molecules. Like, I thought it was pretty funny. (laughs) And it's like, it says, like, it's like going to charge and kill someone, but she's able to grab a hold of it with her hands. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a sure. Yeah, <laughs> if I can overconfident, if I can pass through the walls, how do I stand on the deck? <laughs> You're not wrong, but there's if we start applying that type of logic to Star Trek episodes, we will never stop talking. I thought it was a nice play on 
It's a trans-dimensional energy creature. Yeah. Quick, <laughs> put it in the thing. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't know how you felt about it. No, I, I said I liked it's it. Decent. I liked yeah. it, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a bunch of jokes I liked that I have we haven't mentioned. When Rutherford is on the holodeck with not Riker, oh, yeah. and he somehow, he's doing, he's going to captain the ship on the holodeck to see how it goes, you know, how he likes being in command. Or how he does, or whatever, and he he has oh, a, yeah. uh, casualties of one hundred and five percent. Yeah, how did I kill more He's people that out. were on the ship? <laughs> that bit, the nice reference to Janeway when he goes, "Next time you're in that situation, when there's a temporal wormhole or whatever, you try using the Janeway protocol." That was a nice, <laughs> nice little bit. Lastly, Boimler's when he's sitting there after being all beat up, he's got stuff stuck in his leg, and he's just it's the end of the day. It's right before everything starts kind of turning around, and he's. And he throws his badge, his comm badge down. He's gonna, he's done with Starfleet. I'm gonna go to a science outpost. I don't want to stay out there. Then I'm gonna get eaten by something. And something, I'm gonna send out. That gives this whole bit about sending out SOS calls. But the ship that comes is there too late and finds me dead. And they only know what happened to me because of my last shaky cam footage. Yeah, or my vague. I was like, did he just describe like 60% of Star Trek episodes? (laughs) Like my vague personal (laughs) logs or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My shaky personal logs. Yeah. That whole bit. It's just, that was really, I liked it. I liked it. I like that they're not going to just super fast pace like they were in the first one. Yeah. Do you... Sorry, I have a question, but you go ahead and give your opinions before I start asking questions. Uh, I, I, I didn't have an opinion. I was just going to agree that I do think Beckett was turned down. I don't think she was at 11 this episode. I think she was at nine and a right. half, at least for the certain parts of it. I, I did. I Because I, I watched the episode twice and the, the scene where they run into the Taxor or whatever it is, that big blue thing. Right. And she grabs his coin purse and throws it. Well, she doesn't throw it. I didn't catch it until the second time I watched it that later on in the episode she uses it to pay for several drinks right, for the right and that is mm, well so that when yeah. she went to throw it you actually see it still in her hand after she quote unquote throws it and oh, I, really? I didn't catch that until the second time that i watched it i didn't uh, i didn't catch that either um, i watched it twice as well but i didn't think to look for that i, I wasn't intentionally looking for it either i was just i wouldn't say i was paying more attention noticed. i was just sure i was like whoa whoa wait a second <laughs> So that was the one thing I think I would, I would say is even against her character. I mean, she robbed that dude, you know? Yeah. That's a crime. <laughs> That's illegal. I like the animation a whole lot. Did you notice this the Federation or maybe it's the Starfleet symbol on the bottom of their boots? I noticed it last episode. Oh, okay. I didn't catch it last episode. Nice little attention to detail. And then Rutherford, he's got the cyborg implant. His one eye is pixelated mm-hmm. i think that's, that's really cute like i also noticed that he had an ear but it wasn't like, like yeah i'll send you a picture oh he does yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah so is this something he deliberately did like he became a cyborg or was he in an accident do we know i don't know hmm there's a lot of things going on so there's him i mean obviously tindy's just brand new she hasn't really had a lot of time to shine they really used her in the first episode to introduce everyone else He's got the cyborg thing going on. Boimler's Boimler. <laughs> His purple hair makes me <laughs> well curious as to whether or not he's human or if there's something else going on. Mariner, though. Mariner reminds me of a disgruntled version of Wesley Crusher. She grew up on ships. She's super smart, obviously, because she, she has all this knowledge. 
she would probably at one point was pretty book smart. Boiler makes a joke about, she says, oh, well, we hung out back in the day. And he's like, we're the same age. What's back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Wesley didn't go to Starfleet Academy. No, he did. Early, right? Didn't he try to get in early or I uh, can't remember. I th- but I could see her being a not a, a quote unquote child prodigy, but just getting into that and being on ships her whole life with her parents. I mean, she's been in long enough to have been promoted once or twice and then court-martialed back down. Yeah. Right? Well, I, So you get the feeling she's been there longer than him, even if they are the same age. In terms of Wesley Crusher, when he reached the age at which he could join mm-hmm. Starfleet, he failed the entrance exam the first time. And then he okay. missed his second entrance exam third time he got in and joined Starfleet Academy. Okay. I don't know that's, what the, I don't, I don't know the age in which you can join Starfleet Academy. I don't know enough don't about know, that. So I did notice something interesting and some people might not find it interesting because, you know, it's something that we have talked about in other episodes of our podcast when it comes to non-traditional gender roles. Okay. When they are walking through the Risa district, there are a bunch of men wearing what appear to be very dainty or very revealing clothing. Like I think someone's wearing almost a replica of that weird green one piece that Borat wears. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like... I saw them wearing... uh, They were wearing very little. Yeah. I didn't notice anything in particular. And the whole idea, like, in in Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, we had moved past the whole idea of clothing belonging to a gender. That's why in the first couple episodes of Next Generation, you see men walking around in the uh, the dresses, like the... Yeah, and the style of the, oh, the original. Yeah. yeah. And they were quickly written out for whatever reason. Probably some people got their feelings hurt or, you know, whatever. I think it's interesting that in an animated show, they would make no attempt to hide that. I'm looking at one right now where a guy is wearing like a see-through brawlet interesting and he has like i think he's wearing like a thong <laughs> which is which just totes cool i'm down for that you know if i don't feel like that would be particularly comfortable but i don't know i've never you know tried one out <laughs> sure but uh yeah no i same, thought same same hard same <laughs> i just thought it was interesting that they would choose to portray that or at least show it and in this exact scene there's two men sitting in chairs like next to each other wearing you know, I mean, it's, it's the whole joke about it being like the Risa district where Jean-Luc Picard goes on vacation and uh, is wearing like a really, really deep V almost down to his mm-hmm. navel, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I know where, the episode. I know it. I thought it was interesting that they would choose to do that. You know, I mean, because we've talked about it before on other episodes of our podcast. Representation is important. And in the future, those preconceived notions of what is or what is not gender or sexuality is irrelevant in the face of galaxies spanning empires and like temporal uh temporal wakes and stuff like that like who cares that you wear a dress or not man (laughs) interdimensional energy beings yeah coming to subjugate us all yeah (laughs) we've got a little bit of uh perspective yeah yeah Uh, yeah. i noticed they were wearing different things i didn't pay enough attention to the background i guess on my second watch i did catch a discover like season one discovery style klingon in, in that scene with the no hair and the in kind of right, weird looking nose on the Risa scene, I think so. Yeah, like when the well, is it the Risa scene when the whatever the alien is going to put eggs plant in its, its throat eggs? Or whatever? Yeah, yeah, as it runs off, there's yeah, there's one standing right there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, so that's pretty neat. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, well, lots of references. Oh, you know? okay. I saw that. I didn't real. I I guess I didn't put two and two together. Okay, 
I said second time through. I just okay. I was trying to I was trying to notice things, but okay. I was also kind of making my list. So fair enough. So tell me, why does a Bajoran call his team a bear pack? <laughs> Are there bears on Bajor? Is a bear a type of animal that we would see on other planets? So there, or is it just a translation thing? So they're kind of similar, so they call them bears. So I, I googled the fact that he calls his security team a bear pack is fantastic. But <laughs> so I did Google: Are there bears on Bajor? <laughs> you would, <laughs> and there's there is no additional information. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's that whole. I think we talked about it on an episode of our podcast where the idea behind linear evolution that oh yeah it would, would be bipedal humanoids. So who's to say that on a a planet that has a climate similar to Earth, because I think Bajor does have forested areas, that there would be a big, hairy, four-legged omnivore, you know, and the universal translator when he says whatever word for bear, you know, it just translates yeah. to bear. I don't know. I mean, you, there's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did have a, a question that wasn't, that's not really related. Oh, go for it, man. But we're, we're off the deep end. Do you like these uniforms? Man, I like these uniforms. I'm glad you brought it up. I like these <laughs> uniforms a lot. They're a little bit more brightly colored than I would expect to see in a live action show, right. which is because it's animated and that's nice. I will say it is a it's a bit odd because this is what one year after Nemesis, so we've gone through another uniform change. Yeah, but well, fine. Well, so in the, in, if I remember correctly, in the, the Nemesis uniforms are just an extension of the or an evolution of the Deep Space Nine, right? Where they just have a black jumpsuit and then the inside collar is a different color right right the uniforms used in nemesis are the same ones used in insurrection and in first contact okay well these ones have a purple or gray mm-hmm. part on the yeah. shoulder okay yeah and then the inside the, is a different color but they are the same ones used later in deep space nine but i don't mm-hmm. know if deep space nine like i don't know if they use the deep space nine uniforms or if deep space nine took the movie uniforms uh, I don't know if first contact and I in looking at air dates probably wouldn't help. So I am looking at the first appearance of Benjamin Sisko in Deep Space Nine, and I think he is wearing the open. Oh, he's wearing the just the color on the top. Yeah. Well, I, well, because right. there's like a flashback of him at the Battle of Wolf Three Five Nine, and he's wearing the the red shirt with the black right shoulders. The normal. But it's I think by the time Deep Space Nine comes out, they invert that and they do. Black jumpsuit, red shoulder mm-hmm. or colored shoulder, and then the gray inner collar. Right, but th- then they later used the movie, yeah. the movie ones. Yeah. Also, it was kind of kind of established in Deep Space Nine, then changed for Voyager. So anytime somebody visits Deep Space Nine, they have the old school TNG uniform. So it was kind of the difference between being stationed on a ship versus mm-hmm. a station, or I don't know, I okay. don't know what they were trying to do, or maybe they're just slowly rolling out uniform changes. Who the heck knows? In the later epi- the later seasons of TNG, they had people coming on with season one uniforms, standing next to people with the newer uniforms in the same oh, really? scene. Yeah, so mm, you- I don't. That doesn't sound right to me. I know they did some flashbacks or some time tra- like when they were time travel. Sometimes they have those older season one two uniforms. No, no, they had them. Usually, it would be like a someone from a like one like it'd be a lower deck person. Oh, just, like, just extra. An, an extra, which wasn't important, just standing there, and they would just be wearing the old style uniform. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: when they were making Star Trek Generations, the first TNG movie, they were trying to come up with a new uniform and ended up not doing it for whatever reason, and then just used the uniforms from Deep Space Nine. 
And when they say they use the uniforms from D Space Nine, they literally took the same costumes. Jordy LaForge is wearing Chief O'Brien's uniform. <laughs> and if you look when he's in engineering sometime in the middle of the movie, like his meanie is very tall. And so his sleeves are going to like the middle of his hands. Uh, Riker, that's why Riker has his sleeves rolled up because they don't fit right. Because they just gave him these uniforms and didn't have time to like fit them, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, next time you watch that movie, whenever that is, you'll, <laughs> you'll laugh. You'll ha ha ha. All right. So overall, I know last. So last episode, uh, when we looked at the pilot, or the last time we talked about Star Trek Lower Decks, and you looked at the pilot, you said you weren't really sure if you liked the mo- the show or not. Has that changed at all with this episode? Are you leaning more one way or the other? How are you feeling? I think I'm leaning more towards liking, like ability, if such a term existed. You it know, does. It's you just said it, bro. <laughs> I mean, uh, like I, like I said before, uh, it's just a matter of new thing. I don't want to say the unknown or whatever, but you know, I just I watched an episode of a show sure. that I didn't really know anything about. Yeah, so. I liked it from the first from the pilot. I had my reservations about some things. I think this episode is a step in the right direction, almost a hundred percent across the board. So I'm I'm liking it quite a bit too. Excellent. And you're right to be cautious. I mean, Star Trek is <laughs> Star Trek and its fans, me and you included, take it very seriously. <laughs> Just very, very seriously. We love to uh, love to take hard stances. <laughs> I think it's literally just part of the fact that it's just different. When I first read that they were going to be doing an animated television show, you know, I was like, cool. And then I found out it was going to be a comedy. And I was like, what? And then, you know, we just kind of went from there. And um, yeah. By the way, I just sent you a picture of someone in an old style uniform next to people in the new style uniforms. Mm, I see so, it. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. I but mean, that guy's hair. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. I think I'm leaning more towards like it's something that we did when we talked about when we watched and reviewed the order. I thought it was good. I didn't necessarily know if I liked it. And then, you know, watch the second episode. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And, you know, that's the, the benefit of hindsight. You know, that old yeah. cliche that hindsight's 2020. Right. Right. That you're able to look back and. I even like when I was listening to the rough cut of our episode, even then I was like, man, I was really, I was really hard. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I'm a complicated person. I'm allowed to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I'm a complicated person. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to continue to do these. We release them every Friday. Show comes out on Thursday, gives everyone a time you know, to watch it, have their own opinions. And then you can come listen to our opinions. And as always, please let us know how you feel about, our opinions about what we watched or what have you. So episode three, I don't have a synopsis or a uh, blurb for it. Mm. I did not watch as soon as the show said, Hey, next episode, well, you know, preview or whatever. I turned it off. I didn't Mm. watch it. I don't, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Okay. So what I can tell you on IMDb is that the episode is called temporal edict, temporal, temporal, temporal. I think it's temporal. Yeah. Temporal edict. And the, thumbnail is mariner in front of a, a wall <laughs> with pictures and thumbtacks and yarn everywhere there's a whale there's some other aliens in there there's a there's some planets or like maps it looks like there's a sasquatch off to the left she's freaking out bug-eyed so who knows what's going on some sort of time travel thing and she's trying to figure it out i guess so that's that should be fun yeah but we'll talk about that next friday do you want to let the people know how they can reach out you can always uh, email us at sci-fiwiseguys at gmail.com. Feel free to email us your suggestions, 
fan art. You know, send me like a five page rant about how, you know, Star Trek uh, isn't better than Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know what the argument for that would be besides just being wrong. You can uh, join our Facebook group at the B Roll Podcast group. You can also hit us up on Twitter at B underscore Roll Podcast. We are post updates on there, essentially teasers for our episodes. Maybe not our best joke, but maybe our second best joke. If we have two jokes, yeah. <laughs> and you can also uh, find us on Instagram at Sci-Fi Wise Guys. And we also have a Patreon if you liked what you heard, uh, which, again, I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. Feel free to become patrons and help us support the show. All money going through Patreon helps us uh, with hosting fees, better equipment, better software, making the podcast better. And um, I'm, trying, I'm forgetting something. You are forgetting something. Oh, yes. You can find us on all your major podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the feed on iTunes. Every five-star review helps us go up the ratings up here higher on the charts. More people will listen to the podcast. Hopefully more people will review it. Share it with your friends and share it with your enemies. I think that's about it. You did it all. Good job, man. (laughs) Thanks, man. Congratulations. Yeah. We just want to thank all the listeners out there. Yes. 2020 is a rough year. Stay healthy, stay hydrated, and remember that you are loved by this community and your podcast hosts. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it, guys. See you next time. Bye. You know, you know what I found out about Star Trek Lower Decks? What's up? When you you messaged me about it Wednesday before the Thursday it came out, and I was like, oh, I didn't know it was coming at all. Like you didn't know the show was happening? I didn't know the show was happening until oh. you told me about it for the, the podcast. Fair enough. I just, I had not seen, I mean, I don't wear, you know, nothing came up, so. All right. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting.